Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of the hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm Charles Sheeland, the other host. And today we're beginning the end of the Divergent series because we are covering the first half of the final book, Allegiant. And as we mentioned for you every single week, we're a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network and we read and reread young adult books and share them with each other. Yes. And as best friends, we share books with each other that one of us has read and the other hasn't. So we alternate between those. So you get to hear our different perspectives. One as a reader, one as a rereader. And this series was suggested by Asia, who had read the Divergent Trilogy before, and this is my first time reading them. And at the end of this episode, we're actually going to announce our next series that you can start reading if you want to read along as well. And because Charles is the newcomer to the series, he's on summary duty, but I will be taking that mantle up again for the next series, unfortunately. It's not that bad. But, I mean, it's really hard for this series where it's just utter chaos. So, yep. Tris, Tobias, Caleb, Christina, Peter, and Kara, basically our only remaining kid generation characters, all leave Chicago because Evelyn is a total tyrant. And they find out that they were placed in Chicago as a simulation by a government body trying to correct gene defects. Essentially, humanity cut out certain qualities which turned them bad, so this bureau is trying to get people to breed to correct their genes and repurify them. Apparently, Triss's mom was part of this mission, and Triss has pure genes, a.k.a. she's actually divergent, and Tobias does not, which makes them fight. And Tobias is being recruited by a rebel cell that wants to go against the Bureau, and Triss is also against this. So they're just fighting a lot. And let me get my impressions really quickly. So I did think that Tobias was extra stupid in this reading, and as listeners of this podcast will know, I judge characters primarily on their how smart or stupid I think they are. So Tobias has gone down in my estimations. And I'm getting frustrated with the bigger picture aspects of this book, but I think we'll probably talk about that more at the end of next episode when we finish the series. So I won't bog you in that. And I think that you're totally right, Asia. The best part of this series was the romance in the first book. And because there hasn't been very much romance in the last two books... I've been enjoying them less. But what about your impressions? Yeah, I didn't really have any impressions, (laughs) sadly, because I think so for this book, Allegiant, I definitely like I remember like the big picture, basically, but I definitely don't remember many details. But just a lot of things that we find out, like, I feel like I just wasn't that surprised or shocked not necessarily because I remembered, but just because at this point I just feel like anything's believable in the story because it's just constantly random things are being thrown at us. So it's just, I don't know. I guess my impression is like I under, like Charles saying, like I, the main reason why I remember liking Divergent was because of the romance between Tris and Tobias. And it really is lacking in the second two books or so far of what we've read. So. I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of understanding why I haven't reread this series because really the only part I enjoyed was the first book and then, I mean, the first book wasn't even complete because the ending wasn't that good. But yeah, I don't know. My impression so far, or yeah, I just have been pretty disappointed. But also in this book, this book especially, I feel like is the downfall of like my thoughts on Tobias. Like I feel like he becomes really unlikable, which we'll obviously talk about a lot today. Definitely. Let's just dive in, and I'm sure we'll get to Tobias very soon. So Triss and crew, are they're basically deciding if they're going to stay in the city because Evelyn is a total tyrant, like I said. And obviously Triss is very much team go. Like, she wants to leave the city. She's like, I have nothing tying me here. I want to leave. And so she like she's team leave. Asia, if you were in the situation, what team would you be on? I would definitely be on team leave. Don't want to stand under a dictatorship with yeah. your boyfriend of your boyfriend's mom being the dictator. Sounds pretty awful. Also, the mom that doesn't want you to be with your boyfriend. Yeah, and keeps telling you that constantly. 
also just the idea of I am I am with Tris on her like wanting to know the truth like I think they should want to know like they got this video reveal about Edith Pryor like I think that they should go figure out what that is totally so we should also mention that this book is told from both Tris and Tobias's perspective, which is obviously different from the first two books that were only told from Tris's perspective. So we actually get his thoughts as well as hers. And so obviously this is like a little bit of a different dynamic, but for me, my impression is that Tobias's perspective is just not how I would expect an actual like straight man to think. Like, he's just trying really, like, way too hard to be poetic. Like, I have a quote here of, like, when he talks about touching Tris, and he says, We are not people who touch each other carelessly. Every point of contact between us feels important. A rush of energy and relief. And I just wrote down, like, what? Like, what man would think like that? Like, I just, I just don't really imagine that. And I feel like this is why there's... What person would think like that? Not even just a man. What person... Like, in their internal <laughs> monologue, thinks every touch cannot be I mean, careless. this is just, like... <laughs> every... This is just why like, I feel like people who, like, obviously, for all the, like, avid readers out there, people who love to read, especially if you like romance, like, you either have unrealistic expectations, you know, when you're first starting to date, like, if you happen to be somebody who dates men or... Like, you know, you probably have an unrealistic expectation if you like fiction, if you like fictional men and or obviously you're going to have all these crushes on these fictional characters that just there's no way that they would exist in real life. Like and think like that. Like, I don't know. I mean, did you have unrealistic expectations for men after reading fictional characters? I mean, I feel like I had high hopes and then, you know, you get out there and it's just sheer disappointment. (laughs) Yes, that I can relate to. I mean, though, honestly, I will say this is such an embarrassing confession. So, you know, podcast world. When we were reading Twilight, I was like, this is my dream man for Edward. I mean, despite his flaws, but I I would literally be like reading the book and I would be like, when is my Edward Cullen showing up? Okay, well, can we say right here then, Charles's dream man is a stalker. (laughs) I will never forget when Charles is like, wait, he's a stalker. That is not acceptable. And yet here we are. Many episodes later, Charles has admitted, this is on a recording, that Edward Cullen is his dream man. I do not necessarily okay. think I would go as far to say that for myself, but Charles has admitted it right here, <laughs> live. Um, audio air. is not admissible evidence in a court of law, but... Oh, we could play the tape, roll the tape, go ahead and I'm rewind saying, about This is not seconds. enough to get me convicted, um, but he... No, the stalker part of it was very much not dreamy, but everything else about Edward was pretty I, dreamy. Twilight Twilight serves as the fantasy of, like, that... The idea of... First of all, it serves a little bit of, like, a narcissistic self. Like, all of us who are, like, if you feel a little selfish, like, that idea of someone's obsessed with you. It, it fulfills that fantasy. Also, so someone like, who is so, like, unconditionally devoted to you. Yeah, someone who's obsessed with you. You're a total mess. Like, like, she flirts with other guys... She and Edward's like, it's you know, fine. I still love you. And he's you. like, I literally just want you to be happy. Like she's falling everywhere she goes. And he's like, I still think you're beautiful. Like, even though she's like constantly like on the ground. Whereas Tobias is like, Tris, you're just average. <laughs> you're not pretty. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so we get we find out really quickly that there's a group of people who want to leave the city and they are called the Allegiant. And there's the name drop, you know, we've all been waiting for. In case you forgot that the title of this book is called Allegiant, so. (laughs) Yeah, thank God she reminded us. I would have never remembered otherwise. And, I mean, I hope they come back in the second half of the book. Because otherwise, like, that was just a really, like, forced name. Like, but I guess Insurgent was also really forced. Like, that was literally, like, she got to the second to last chapter. And she's like, oh, my God, Insurgent, 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 don't forget. (laughs) But. They, so the Allegiant, basically, they're the ones who want to leave because they've allied themselves with the original purpose of the city, which is to leave. And they are about to recruit Triss. But before we get there, Evelyn is going to try Triss for treason, but because Triss can resist serums, because, again, there are no rules in this world, she gets off. And Evelyn is so rude to her. She's like, Triss is not allowed to stay. Like, she tells Triss, like, there's not a spot for her in their world, and that 
Tobias like belongs to her. And then Tris is like, Evelyn is so wrong. Tris, Tobias belongs to himself, which I was like, that was good of her. But I don't know. Evelyn's just continuing to be rude. So yes, totally. Tris should leave. Yes. And then Tris and Tobias become like mature all of a sudden and they go on like their first real date. You know, that's not them like having to kill other people. That's so romantic that they don't have to like commit murder. And they drink the erudite treat, which is basically Sprite. And I was like, well, that's really gross because like that's the least romantic thing I can think about drinking. But, and they're like, this is gross. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I wrote this in my notes. It says they go to Millennium Park for their date. And I've never been to Chicago, but and whenever I hear Millennium Park, I just think of Obama because of the huge, like the night he was elected, the huge party in Millennium Park, like that huge stage that was in Millennium Park. And so anytime I hear about it, I just think Obama. And I just like imagine like baby Sasha and baby Malia and like those red and black dresses. Do you know what I'm talking about? Wow, that's great. Anyway, this is what I, that's what this book brought me to. But I was glad that Tris and Tobias were being honest with each other. Like they're trying to atone for their mistakes. And of course, because it's two of them, there's a lot of sexual tension. There's a lot of staring. There's a lot of non-careless touching. Yes. And then going back to the Allegiant, we should just talk about them and their group because the Allegiant, who we didn't who we don't know at first because they basically attack Tris, they put a sack over her head to like set up a meeting with her and like some of the other Dauntless people because they don't want to they don't want to reveal their identity identities just yet like until the meeting but at least even like Tris like she acknowledges like that how dramatic it is because she's like I'm gonna meet you in like 12 hours when we have the meeting so I guess at least Roth was like self-aware of the like (laughs) the dramatics of that how ridiculous this was like it was so ridiculous but anyway so when we get to the meeting it turns out that Kara and Joanna are the leaders of the Allegiant and they are making a plan to send some people outside of the gate. Which this really felt like our Avengers Assemble moment. Like, it was like, Tris, Tobias, Caleb, Peter, Christina, Uriah, Carrot, and Tori. Let's go. Gotta catch them all. Like, it felt... It, gotta catch them all. Isn't that Pokemon? Yes. So it could have been you Avengers or Pokemon. You just combined two things. You know but Marvel felt- and Pokemon are not the same thing, right? <laughs> I do. This know is the this. nerd party, is it not? <laughs> I do know they're separate. But my point is, it felt very Avengers Assemble. Like, let's get the Dream Squad back then together. Why are you using the Pokemon catchphrase? Because it was also like, we got to go on this been, mission. You should have literally just said, Avengers Assemble. That is like. <laughs> okay. That is the line. I already said Avengers Assemble. I just had to bring in another fandom. But. That's me jumping ahead to the Avengers moment. Before that, is there anything else we want to cover before they leave the city? Because I have a couple things. Actually, I'm just going to start. One, factionless children. Do they just never get to choose factions? Because... No, they're factionless. Moving on to the next question. (laughs) That's that's so rude. I was like reading it and I was like... I was like, but if you're born factionless... You are factionless because you are born from failures. Therefore, you are a failure. Just like now, you're born into poverty. It's really hard to escape poverty. And in some places, it was impossible to escape poverty. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying. Next question. (laughs) Okay. This is more of a joke than a question. But so Christina says that of the 10 transfers, only six are alive. Which, one, is not that drastic of a statistic because I'm like, there's been a freaking war going on for like four months now. Like, I'm surprised it's not just like you and her, you and Tris left, Christina. But also, just want to say that it's not 10 transfers. It was 11 transfers because during, after like the choosing ceremony and they like run, they jump on their first train, like one guy doesn't even make it. Like he doesn't even make it to headquarters. And so I don't even consider him a transfer. No, the, wasn't it one of the kids, ah, you're, oh, I, oh, you're right. I'm thinking of the one guy, yeah, he doesn't even make it on the train. And I mean, that's probably why she didn't include him because he wasn't even a transfer. Like he literally didn't even make it on the form of transportation. Yeah. I was thinking about the girl who fell off the roof when they jump on the roof and died, but that was a dauntless born person. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of the guy who like, 
The guy who literally missed they, the train. They start running. He's not and even she's a transfer. Like, he literally, in that moment, he was factionless. He didn't he didn't even make it. But so when they start running and Trissa's like, abnegation are allowed to run because it feels good. And then she's like, we just run everywhere. We see staircase and we run. We got to jump on trains. And then this guy jumps and he doesn't make it. But anyway, just thought I would mention that because I thought I was like someone, you know, raise a glass to the guy that didn't even make it on the train. Wow. What about you? Do you have something to say? Anyway, my the only thing I wanted to say was really about Tobias. Uh, to know was, so Tobias does go through his fear landscape like one more time before they leave. And he talks about how his fear of Marcus has changed. So now he's less like afraid of, you know, physically being harmed by Marcus like he was like when he was a child. But he's more afraid of how like what Marcus did to him has changed his character like permanently like made him more cruel just as like a lot of people who've been abused like they don't want to end up becoming like an abuser or you know just becoming just hard and like not letting anyone in so that's more his newfound fear so it hasn't completely gone away it's just evolved and his final fear which before was shooting the woman like being told to shoot somebody it's now of Triss specifically dying and him not being able to do anything to help her. Yeah, no comment for me. Great. Glad he knows his fears. He doesn't act like he respects them, though, because he continuously acts against Triss's best interest, and then he's like, I don't want her to die. I just thought it was kind of funny. I just thought it was funny that, like, you know, his last thing, like, they do before they leave is he's like, gotta go through my fear landscape one more time, like... I mean, his code name is Four. Trying to become Three, I guess. Can you imagine if he'd, like, gained another fear and he's like, I can't tell anyone because that would be so embarrassing. And he was like, four to five. Well, anyway, so another thing that I noted is that apparently, according to Tobias, there are people who operate the trains, which that was a big question on this podcast because there's all these ghost trains that are constantly running. Actually, it was the fundamental question about the series. (laughs) Like, one, why all the serums? And two... The trains. the trains just run on some unknown schedule that only the Daunt- like the Dauntless clearly know, and they know like that the trains are going to slow down enough that they can jump on them, but the trains don't seem to ever stop. But Tobias says something because when they're taking the train out of the city, he talks about the drivers of the train. So obviously there are people driving the train, but he gives no explanation as to who these people are. Like, are they in a certain faction? Like, do certain factions drive the trains? Or are this is part of the factionless duties? Like, how the factionless, like, take out the trash? Or are the, like, gardening people? I don't know. Like, is this one of the I factionless jobs? I assumed it was jobs? factionless. Like, I just still have so many questions. The trains is probably the fundamental question of this whole series. Like, like you couldn't have given us something, Veronica? Like, come on. I assumed it was the factionless I guess that but would make sense, I could be wrong. especially since he said about how like he knew the train people or something. So like he could have known them now through Evelyn. And also like, you know, they're gotta get retrained because now everyone is apparently factionless. So yeah, I kind of just assume that they were factionless people because I feel like we would if it would belong to a specific faction, we wouldn't told because we get told constantly like. Dauntless are for, there for security. I guess, but it still was technically left unanswered. You so are right. It is. I'm still not fully satisfied. Okay. But my last thing about Tobias is that Tobias mentions, mentions how his initiation instructor, so when he first was, you know, an initiate into Dauntless, this guy's name was Amar. And Amar told, is the one who told Tobias that he was divergent and, like, helped him kind of hide it. But Amar... The reason, obviously, because as we've learned, the only way you kind of know other people are divergent if you are also divergent yourself. So Amar was also divergent, but somehow he was able to help Tobias. He was able to help Tobias hide it, but, like, he couldn't hide it himself. So he was killed. Which, like, doesn't that right there, like, just make no sense? No, it makes no sense, but you're jumping ahead. Well, you're not jumping ahead, but... He's just insinuating. Well, for no, what's I'm up. saying when I read this for the first time, not even like thinking of, oh, it could be a big reveal. I was really like, that makes no sense. How is it that he was divergent and was able, like, smart enough to teach somebody how to hide it, but like he couldn't hide it himself? Like, I was just like, that, that just, that logically doesn't make any sense. I agree. I agree. You're absolutely right. Okay, I have one more thing before they leave the city. So there's a moment when Tristan and Tobias are alone and they start touching each other again. 
And then out of the blue, we switched to the next chapter. And I thought at first that it was like Twilight. Like if you guys remember in Breaking Dawn, when they have sex for the first time, I didn't realize they'd had sex until like I checked with Asia because there was no, dis- not, I'm not saying I want like a vivid description of these characters having sex because that's not what I want. But like, I, like a line saying they made love or something. I don't, I, something. Well, I'm telling you right now there will be. So I don't I mean, know I mean, I know we're going to get there about. in a second. But like this was so abrupt in the reading that like we finished a Tobias chapter. I think it went back into another Tobias chapter right afterwards. But like they were about to have sex and it just like changed. And I was like, I think this is kind of like, I mean, I feel like this is a theme throughout this book where like Tobias and Trist are like fighting, but then they'll like briefly make up so that they can make out. Like that is the ongoing theme. I feel like, and that is usually the end of the chapter. Like there's been multiple incidents where they're like fighting. Yes, there's been multiple incidents. Like one of the last chapters was like Tobias, like when he's he's upset about something. He's like leaning on the bed and he's like, can I kiss you? Kiss you, yeah. And then it's like, and then she's like, okay. And then they like kiss and then everything's okay for like two seconds and he's like, okay, bye. Like for them to go separate. Like what? Moral of the story of this book, do not let physical intimacy solve problems. Do not use physical intimacy to substitute real emotional conversation and actual changing of bad behavior. Sorry, I'm stepping down from my soapbox. Anyway, I was really annoyed because I was like, I thought that they had sex and then they didn't have sex. And I don't care if they do, but I was like, the innuendo was there. And then it just wasn't there. I think that you're you're looking too much into it. Just like, I, I don't know how you didn't understand in Breaking Dawn, honestly. Like, it was pretty clear what was happening. And again, this is a book made for like 12-year-olds. They're not going to give any actual, like, descriptions, so... It's called Reading Between the Lines. I was trying to read between the lines here, and there weren't... But I'm saying, you don't even need to read between the lines, because it's going to be clear. Oh, God. I don't want to... Oh, no. I can't read that. Okay. Anyway. So. Oh, I'm saying I don't actually remember in context of this book. I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen, but to be honest, I don't remember. Well, if it doesn't happen, it'll be like really anticlimactic, because they've been building towards it for three books. But I, I'm I'm sure it does. I'm just saying, like, again, it's it's not that big a deal. It just obviously happens. Well, okay, the Avengers are going to leave. Yes, and so on their way out, Tori gets shot and killed, and Triss actually shoots her attacker, the person who shot Tori. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time that Triss has actually shot a gun in real life since when she killed Will. The only time, like, she shot a gun was in that one simulation, but she hasn't shot one. So, like... At least, you know, she's finally maybe over her fear of guns. Yeah, I think you're right. It seems like she has got her mojo back, so to speak. And they finally get to a compound, which, okay, they get to a compound basically because they, again, the story is very convenient. They basically, you know, they get almost ambushed by the, the faction list, which is why Tori gets shot. But then most of them escape. Pretty, it's everybody pretty much except Tori, right? And they Correct. get in these trucks or whatever, and... She's the Black Widow of the group because she dies. Yeah, and so they, like, keep going, and then they're, like, basically on foot. And then on their journey, you know, they just run into these two random people that are, like, we'll take you where you need to go. So, like, What? <laughs> So they're really, like, only on a journey for, what, like, maybe 20 minutes? Like, I don't know. But <laughs> so then these people come pick them up, which the people who pick them up, it's Amar. You know, spoiler alert, Amar is not dead. He was, well, we'll get to the explanation in a second. But Amar is not dead. And guess who else isn't dead who, you know, we thought was dead? Tori's brother. I just have to throw this in here. This was not in the script. But this is honestly probably the saddest part of the whole book. Tori, who's been trying to avenge her brother's death forever, her brother is not dead, and he obviously knew that she was still alive, and they missed meeting each other by, like, or, like, seeing each other again, like, by mere, like, hours. So, I hate this book. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, back back to the outline. They finally get to this compound, so... They go with Amar, and then there's this lady named Zoe who's with him, and they take them to a compound that's at the, or what used to be O'Hare Airport near Chicago, I guess. 
I'm really not familiar, but, um, <laughs> that's the Chicago airport over here. Yeah. That's what I thought. But anyway, so they, so obviously where that airport is and they are a part of the organization that Edith Pryor comes from. And the reason that they kind of get them to trust them and go with him with them is because Zoe has a photo that has Triss's mom, Natalie, which from now on I will be referring to Triss's mom as Natalie, so I don't have to say Triss's mom. But they have a photo of Natalie from when she was younger. So obviously Triss is like, what's going on? Has tons of questions. So they go with them. Yeah. And so then, I, okay, so at this point I was thoroughly confused. And they get to the compound and we kind of like over the next few chapters are going to get like, some bits of explanation. Do you want to explain it? I can explain it. Great. Take it away. I mean, that's fine with me. I, I, I think I understand. But, like, honestly, after reading it, I was like, do I know what's going on? It'll be nice to also for all the listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. So, basically, they go to the compound, which it turns out this is the Bureau of Genetic Welfare, which is run by the United States government. And they're the ones who are running all these experiments. So we find out that the city of Chicago, which is where Tris and all of them are from with the factions, is one of many experiments that the Bureau of Genetic Welfare has made up. And it's basically all these experiments are in like the major cities of the U.S. So like Chicago, they talk about like Milwaukee. I'm sure they mentioned Indianapolis. Indianapolis, because they mainly talk about the ones like right there, like in the Midwest. So near that general area but they do reference that there's other ones in the south and in the east there is one like throwaway line saying that like nothing happens in the west because of like how the land is it's like much harder to navigate and the cities are much more spread out so it was harder to like for them to keep that under control so like there's no experiments there but the reason why they are doing these experiments is because basically they discovered that people had like a murder gene and like a cowardice gene. So basically like the things that make humans bad and evil stems from our genes. So they want to be able to isolate it so that they can like remove those genes so that like all people can live in peace. And when we we finally find out what being divergent actually means is that you have healed genes. So basically... They set up these experiments so that they could slowly build more divergent people because everybody else has what they considered damaged genes and they want to grow the population to where there's so many divergent people with these healed genes so that they can just be all healed people. But so that's that's why Amar and Tori's brother are alive and they were actually spared because they were snuck out of the city and this is where Natalie, Tris's mom, comes into play because we learn that she's she was not actually from the Chicago experiment. She was from the fringe, which is like the like outskirts of the compound and like other major cities. So like the people who are most of them are like damaged and like they're they're from failed experiments. She was from there, but she's actually like genetically pure. This is like, I don't know, very like <laughs> oh, it's a lot. Race and class warfare? Well, yeah. It's very much that, just with genes, is what we're using. But, so, yeah. So, Natalie came from the outside, and basically, she ended up working for the Bureau. Like, she got picked up by them, and she volunteered to go into the experiment because Janine's predecessor, the, the leader of erudite at the time was starting to kill divergent people and obviously the whole point of their experiments was to get more divergent people so they needed someone to stop it which is why natalie ended up going into the experiment and that all played out which we'll like explain it a little bit more in a second but like was that like a pretty good like general idea i think so i think the one thing that i that was this was part where it was really confusing because it was like not explained that well but i believe that the whole murder gene thing came about because people tried to like remove certain genes from themselves. And then like they tried to remove like the gene of fear, but that just made them like crazy murderers. 
and basically it was because I think what like happened we manipulated is our genes first, and then that made us yes. really unstable. So the experiments are now to basically like try, try to, to fix crossbreed us again, so that we don't so that like people don't have missing genes because basically missing certain parts of your genetic code leads to instabilities. And those and the different experiments were mostly primarily unsuccessful, as in like they didn't generate divergent people because because they were basically kind of just like letting people like live in a contained bubble, but the, their worst instincts were like allowed to sort of run rampant. So like people who had like the cowardice gene that would like maybe would be associated with I don't know abnegation or whatever it was, like they would just like get killed off immediately before they could breed and. So the reason the Chicago experiment is special is because they designed it with the factions, which actually gives people like time to develop and time to cross pollinate. It was the and it was the first of the it was the first of the experiments to have the factions, and it's one of the longest lasting experiments. And also, I we should also just mention that the whole idea of this like post apocalyptic world was developed because there was. From them messing with the genes, it led to a war, which was called the Purity War, because it was this fight between like gen- genetically damaged and genetically pure, and this is basically the aftermath of that. Yes, but other than that, I think you did a great job. Thank you for explaining that. At least it's very confusing. That was my understanding of it as well. Like I think that's what happened, but you know who knows. So yes, obviously that's a lot, and again. A lot going on, but I think the biggest thing to digest is, again, the fact that Tris's mother, Natalie, was from the Bureau, and she was actually, she was put into Dauntless at age 16, but they said that she was 15, so that she would have the time before she would have to go through the choosing ceremony, and her mission was that she was supposed to choose Erudite, because she was sent to basically stop Janine from killing Divergence. But obviously, this as Tris is finding this out, it's like is Tris is learning about this. It's obviously that Natalie's whole life with Tris with Tris has ultimately been like a lie because she wasn't actually really from there at all, and she knew what was going on. Like she knew that they were living in like an experiment, a simulation, whatever you want to call it. So obviously, that's very shocking news for Tris, and like I can't even imagine. Like I mean, I can't even imagine. Like they've already like. <laughs> the shock that these people have went through they went from you know they chose their faction to their whole government system well first of all she finds out she's divergent and then she finds out that they want to kill her for being divergent and then she finds despite her, that the also the whole system of government is overthrown the whole system of government is overthrown and they want to get rid of the faction system which they've been taught their whole lives that's all they've ever known then you find out that this whole faction system community that you live in isn't even real it's all just an experiment and then on top of that you find out that your mother your mom your closest family was in on it and knew all along and didn't tell you anything so yeah i i really can't imagine but i was talking about this a little bit earlier with charles of Natalie being revealed as like being from the Bureau, I honestly don't really think I remembered this, but I'm telling you right now, I was not shocked. I was not surprised at all because it's just like hard to think. Because like, I'm sure like, was it shocking for you, Charles, to discover that? I mean. Like, were you expecting? Because I'm thinking like right now, I'm saying that was probably supposed to be some major plot twist. And I'm like, like, I was just deadpan. I was deadpan. I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. But it wasn't like I didn't read it and be like, oh my goodness. I was like I was more shocked by the whole like this is a simulation thing. Like we're all in this experiment that we've set up. But like the fact that her mom was in on it, I was like, yeah, that 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 kind of checks out at this point. Like I don't know. Like I said, at this point, anything goes. Anything, anything goes. goes in this world. So, like, nothing can really surprise you. But I just think that that's really disappointing when I'm sure, like, obviously, yes, like, I'm sure. Yeah, because I was wondering, I mean, yeah, your reaction to it being a simulation, like, were you shocked by that? Like, especially finding out about all the genes and stuff and, like. I think I was actually, it was undercut by the gene stuff because the gene stuff felt way off base. And so then I was distracted trying to just, like, understand the history. 
Whereas, like, <laughs> at first, I was like, oh, my God, it's all a simulation. Like, I was mind blown. But then they started, like, explaining why it all happened. I was like, oh, no, I can't keep track. Too much. I mean, too that's much why then. for me, I mean, I, which I feel like I hinted a lot to you, the idea of, especially compared to something like, again, The Hunger Games, one of the biggest novels, like, series in this dystopian genre like the Hunger Games is pretty like straightforward and like what the story is about and it doesn't go like it doesn't get too big whereas this to me gets just so big like again we start with it being about a girl who's just choosing a different faction to now it's about it goes from that to like war and the faction system being overthrown to actually the world you live in isn't even real like I don't know it's just like a lot to swallow but yeah I just I think it's sad that, like, I was like, I just didn't even have a reaction at all. And I mean, honestly, I, I knew about, obviously, it being a simulation stuff, but I didn't really necessarily remember about Trish's mom, like, having been a part of it and that being some big reveal. Yeah. Well, it does explain why Tris was called a second generation by Janine's simulation, because obviously her mom would be the first generation of new person back in the Chicago experiment. Yes. And then, so when they're there... One of the scientist people, because, again, more new characters, which I will say I'm struggling. I was struggling to keep track of these new characters because we're just also not going to get them nearly as much. Whereas at least the, like, past Dauntless characters, we had them for two books. Whereas this, obviously, this is the last book, so we're just not going to get them that much. But one of the scientist guys that they met. Wow, good job, Matthew. Actually, we haven't met that many people. I just, later on, I mean, we'll talk about it, David. I was like, when I read this person's name, David, I was like, who's David? I don't remember them mentioning a David. But David is the leader of the Bureau. Of genetic welfare, yes. Of genetic welfare. Matthew was a scientist they talked to. But anyway, Matthew, like, talks to Tris, and obviously they're super interested in Tris's genes because also we've learned at the compound, yes, they run the experiments, which that also means that all the people who work there and live there watch them so they all know all of these people they know tris they know tobias they know christina they know all of them because they've been watching them on screens like reality tv so they know them and so matthew's like tris like you're so cool like you're so divergent and she's like and so he's like can i get you and tobias to get some lab tests done because you know tobias like seems like he's divergent but i feel like he's not really like i just again what are we reading okay wait but when he does, when they do this test, he says that there are microcomputers in the serum for their lab test. And? I would like that expunged from the book. Because right now, we're trying to just get people to get a silly vaccine. And people are worried that they're going to get chipped by the vaccine. And people might read something like this and be like, it's possible. They're going to read this and think that's realistic when the serums make them become mindless soldiers? I'm just saying there's no microcomputers in in vaccines. I just just thought that the rack paper actually go on the record saying that that is not not real. Anybody who thinks so, what were you you even thinking? We don't live in a sci-fi novel. Anyway, back to the story. So they go through, Tristan and Tobias go through, go through these little tests. And essentially we find out that Tobias is actually not divergent. He's just special in that he has the unhealed or the unhealed like damaged genes, which they call the GD genetically, it's genetically defective. It's not genetically damaged. Oh, maybe it's damaged. I think it's damaged. And... Basically, because they say how, like, some people, like, look... Also, again, the explanation is already stupid. Basically, like, again, we said diversion is basically saying you have healed genes and how you usually, that means that you can, you know, manipulate the simulations, which was our, you know, previously what we thought of divergent, which we obviously know Tobias can manipulate the simulations and he's aware, but I guess apparently that doesn't, does, that doesn't necessarily mean you're divergent, so that's Tobias's case. He so, can, yeah, wait, so first off... Bad writing, because she is retconning. She's retroactively changing the world building of the series. What do you mean? Because Tobias has all of the powers of a Divergent, but now apparently he's not. 
But no, because ultimately, like, again, where it's like, it's so big, it's the idea of, of what they thought Divergent Man was just something made up. Like, somebody just made that up. The real reason, like, the experiment people just told them what they wanted them to think. I know, but I'm saying that Tobias has the same skills that Triss has. Tobias can resist simulations like she can. So, so yes, maybe Divergent means healed genes. Maybe he doesn't have healed genes. But, like, the... What Divergent meant was that you could visit, like, part of it was that you could visit simulations, and now that's been changed. But it's not, it actually, it's not been changed, it's just that they were, they were misinformed because their reality wasn't real. Like, you know what I mean? Everything that they were told is not sure, but what's I, actually true. But it is not okay. I, I, I don't appreciate I'm not saying that, that it's, I'm not saying. That that it's it's the idea of because that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's not that she's going back. It's the idea of again, which like that's not really the best way of writing something. It's basically everything that we had before is not real because they live in a simulation. They lived in something that wasn't real. But the fact that the fact that he is not so he is not divergent. He is genetically damaged, but he's like an anomaly of the genetically damaged that he looks like he's divergent. Because he can resist simulations. And I'm like, that makes no sense. I mean, I didn't say it made sense. But the idea to me is they were told that being divergent meant these things, but actually it means this. It means it has to do with the genes. Sure, that's Which, fine. Which, as we're going to get to eventually, like they briefly start to mention that the whole damaged genes things is all made up anyway. So what do we get? Another layer to this awful onion. That's why we're crying. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, point is, Triss is told that she is beautiful. She's got magical genes. And Tobias is told that he's a total damage. Yeah, Triss is actually divergent. Her genes are fully healed. And Tobias's aren't. And so, of course, oh, of course, Tobias is very upset by this because this is causing a rift between them because now they're not the same. Which, you know. I understand Tobias being upset about finding out that he's genetically damaged because obviously that's awful. Somebody's like, haha, you're damaged. Like, that's not great. But I do think his reaction was quite dramatic, in my opinion, just because Tris even says to him, like, it obviously, like, you being divergent literally doesn't change anything about who you are or who you've always, like, been with me. Like, it doesn't change our dynamic at all because... It doesn't change who you are. It's literally just a word. And also, like, they just made up what... Because also, I think... I feel like Tris is, like, how what you're saying of... They've always known Divergent to be you fight simulations. It's like, who are they to say that Divergent has anything to do with your genes? Like, Divergence is what that means. Also, Tris was interested in Tobias when he was just straight dauntless. <laughs> and then she was guessing... But I'm saying, like, she guessed that he was divergent, but she didn't get confirmation he was divergent until after they were together, you know? I don't know. I like, do think it is just, like, he took, he takes a little bit too much stock in, which I understand. It's, like, your all your identities are being ripped from you because, you know, you've left where you've lived and you find out that everything you've ever known isn't real. And now the one thing you felt like you could hold on to that you were divergent also isn't real. Okay. So <laughs> What is this book? This is what I I got angry at Tobias at this moment. Before Tristy even responded, I wrote, Tobias isn't divergent. Who even cares? Like, that is <laughs> verbatim from my notes. Because, actually, it's not verbatim because I had a curse word. But I obviously, this is a family-friendly oh podcast. Gosh. So I could not include that. But, <laughs> so it's not verbatim. I lied. But I wrote, Tobias isn't divergent. Who even cares? Because... It doesn't change anything about their relationship because she was interested in him before. Like, it's not going to change now that he's got, quote unquote, different genes, because guess what? You should have different genes than your partner. If you're the same genes, that's incest. (laughs) Wait, I think I have. Okay, I think Tobias, the only reason I feel like he can really be upset is I can understand being upset for, like, the loss of identity because all of them have gone through this 
have continuously gone through a loss of identity. They're losing literally. They lose so their I'm factions. Like get over it. No, but I'm saying like, whereas that's something Tris can't relate to in that moment, but which is something I'll talk about, I think at the end of why I really, like I said, I'm starting, I feel like I will dislike Tobias by the end of the book. Well, maybe not by the end of the book, but right now I'm disliking Tobias more because when he's upset, he takes it out on Tris. Like it's okay to be upset about you losing your identity because that is hard losing something that you've identified with for a long time, but you can't take it out on Tris because she can't relate or she can't understand. Like you need to be like, I don't, I'm not okay. And I need to like take care of this on my own. And you know, I need space, but to like yell at her and be like, you don't understand. <laughs> it's just terrible. It's so immature. Like, yeah, exactly. And also like Tris is literally, so we should also say he sets up the secret meeting with Nita which is super suspicious. And like, you literally just talked to Tris about not keeping secrets. And here you are going to start another secret. But like, yeah, basically this whole time, Tris is trying to tell Tobias that she doesn't care that he's GD and that she's GP. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't matter to her because it doesn't change how she feels about him. And he's like, it shouldn't matter. And she's like, I'm trying to say that to you. And he's like, no, you could never understand because you're a GP. And she's like, no, I'm trying to tell you these distinctions don't matter. And he's like, also when she's like literally two minutes ago, they meant nothing. Why do they mean anything now? Literally, That's I mean, that's why I wrote who even cares because two minutes ago, they didn't know it <laughs> and it didn't matter. And also I'm like, when he's like, my dad was divergent. And now I'm not even divergent. I'm like, whoa, 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 back up, sis. We haven't tested Marcus's DNA. And apparently there are a bunch of people who just yeah, show up. Yeah, apparently you can be like, a fake divergent. You can be like presenting divergent, but you can be like. But that doesn't even cross his mind. I was like, the whole thing was just Tobias so overreacting. I was not here for it. Yeah. Well, anyway, speaking of Marcus, Evelyn actually exiles Marcus, which makes no sense because she's like. We know Evelyn hates Marcus, but, like, maybe they're work- – I honestly, like, this whole time I was like, maybe they're working together because she is, like, because you were such a good abnegation leader, you, like, don't get executed, so we're just going to send you out into the wilds. Like, I don't know. It just, like – I was like, I feel like Marcus got off really easy because, like, he definitely should have been killed if she was killing everyone else. I mean, I think for everyone else, like, the fear of, like, what's out there. I guess since he knows what's out there, he could go to the compound, I guess. I don't know. This part was just, like, totally irrelevant anyway. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Again, also, deadpan. Tobias gets all... Reading yeah. it deadpan. We don't, yes. That's how I felt. I was like, I, like, I was like, it doesn't really make much sense. She gave Marcus an easier time than everyone else, but I don't care. Because I'm like... Who knows? Marcus might show up at the compound or he might not. And we might just never get any resolution on this. And then Tobias, he's like all confused and he's he doesn't know if he's supposed to be happy or angry. But then he's super moody. Oh, and he gets, I have like a you said. wait. One thing I'll add. One last thing I'll add about Marcus. How you said how they could be working together. She could be exiling him to go find out what's going on outside the gate. Like forcing okay, him to do something my for point. Her. That is what I would guess, because I honestly don't remember. That's our guess right now. But, so, Tobias, he is, like, he doesn't know whether he, because he's like, I should be sad. that Like, he's like, I should be happy that my dad is not dead, because then he's not dead. But I should also be happy. Angry. Uh, angry, because he deserves to die. And he doesn't know how he feels. But he takes it out on Tris because she's like, I don't know how you feel. And he's like, yeah, you don't. And she's like, okay, great conversation, bro. Like, I don't know. I just, again, like he's really lashing out and I don't, and it's not, oh, it's just unattractive. Oh, for sure. So then we get more about Tris's mom, Natalie, which, so we find out, you know, her life in the fringe, I guess. So she killed someone on accident at the age of 13. And after this, she was picked up by someone from the Bureau. Again, how convenient. Who just happened to test her genes like in the van, in a van and 
took her in because she had good genes. She had like pure genes. How convenient. And so I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but when she was sent into Dauntless, her mission, she was supposed to choose Erudite at the choosing ceremony so that she could go and like fight against Janine or whatever. But she wrote, she would write letters to the Bureau about her progress. And she wrote to them that her and Andrew, which is her eventual husband, Tristan, Caleb's father, that they must choose abnegation together. So they were obviously really in love, or at least that's what we're assuming based off of the journal entry that we read, which is kind of helping Tris stay calm because obviously her whole world's falling apart, like finding out that her mom's not who she really was, but at least this, she can hold on to the fact that at least hopefully her parents' love was real since obviously she's justifiably worried that nothing that she's ever experienced was actually real. But then to confuse everything a little bit further, David, who, as I mentioned, is the leader of the Bureau of Genetic Welfare, he likely had feelings for Natalie because he was the one that was like, she was mainly writing to, and he seemed to be jealous of her obviously picking to be with this erudite guy to go to abnegation or something, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? Again, we don't even know who these characters are. Which, um, just gotta say... Dude, you were her boss. You cannot expect her to fall in love with you. Like, that's a, like a, an HR violation right there. <laughs> but anyway, and he's like, so- and also like he takes it out on her. He's like, he's like all petty and stuff. And she's like, if you're gonna act like this, you will not be getting my reports. And I'm like, get fired. Like, someone needs to report him to <laughs> HR. And then he's like, I will no longer be receiving your correspondence. I'm like, dude, you had a crush on a 13 year old. Like, calm down. <laughs> Like, you haven't met, spoken to her IRL since she was 13. Stop creeping. Anyway, so while interesting, it the, another interesting yet insignificant. <laughs> another interesting. Oh, I'm so sorry. There's just like, there's Start so again. much going on in this book that it's like, we don't even know what to mention at this point because there's some things that are interesting, but it's like, does it even really matter? But we'll just throw this in here. Yeah. As you guys know, I write the outline of the, like, like the things that we're going to talk about. And like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if this is going to matter. Like we should probably mention it. It probably but won't. But I'm like, especially with this book where everything is so freaking random, like, I, I don't know if it's going to matter. And also, like, particularly this thing. I mean, go ahead, Asia. Anyway, so this interesting yet insignificant, most likely, fact is that we find out that Edith Pryor, the one from the video, is an aunt of Tris and Caleb from seven generations back. And they talk about how she signed a contract to go into the experiment and how she was, like, likely on the team that were, like, creating the experiment. And I feel like the only thing I got from this was how I think in the last episode, like Charles and I mentioned, because how when we figured out Tris was second generation, Charles was thinking that like, oh, well, this has only ex- existed for two generations. But obviously now we know since her mom wasn't actually born there, that's why it was second generation. But so there has been like seven generations. That's obviously like hundreds of years now. So like it has been like established for a while, the experiment. Like 150-ish approximately because a generation is like 21 or 22 years. Like that. So, so, I mean, that's a much longer time than what we thought before. Yes, much longer. And, yeah. Again, who knows if the Edith Pryor contract is going to be important, but we were like, we should probably mention it, I guess. Um, and, like, she talks to Caleb and she's like, I still can't trust you. Though she does, like, she arranges for Tobias to get him out, but she's like, I still don't like you. And Tobias, like, and Caleb really has, like, not done anything to earn her, like, affection back. He's like, just be nice, Demetrius. And she's like, dude, you sold me out. Like, you literally gave my torturers tools to torture me. And he's like, no comment. I don't know what my Caleb voice is, but. Yeah, I don't know what that was either. (laughs) Okay. Before we get into the ending, I just got to mention Christina and Uriah are definitely sleeping together. Let the record reflect they're sleeping together. I I guess maybe that's an interesting yet insignificant fact, but um, <laughs> that's also not even a fact because that's never stated, but, you know, you can well, interpret Christina however you want. It, and so I'm like, I definitely think that's happening. 
Also, like, they're both, she's described as beautiful a bunch, and he's described as handsome a bunch. So, like, pretty people, like, do it. Go for it. Okay, moving on. Okay. Finally, we have Tobias and Nita having a midnight rendezvous, which is so not okay. Also, she's creeping on him. She's slipping notes under his pillow while he's napping. Weird. (laughs) And so the next day, he does tell Tris, which is good. But, like... And he's like, Tris, I want you to come with me when I go meet her again. She's going to give us proof that the Bureau is all corrupt. But, like, he shouldn't be meeting with her individually in the first place. No, but let's just get it straight. So Nita's argument is basically that the genetically damaged people aren't any worse than the genetically healed people because there was always war, which, again, in this reality, basically, the government has, like, erased history like from before like the purity war and stuff so they make it seem like before the purity war and before like damaged genes were a thing like humans just always lived in peace you know like the world wars didn't happen like things we're assuming that came from our like actual real human history they have like erased that and basically said that the only reason that we have conflict is because of genes which she's basically saying that they have proof and like photos of war and like people starving and stuff and showing that like the idea of war and like fighting and conflict has been going on for all of human history. Like genes literally have nothing to do with it. So obviously the Bureau has some corrupt reason for why they are marking people as genetically damaged and making it like a big deal. And obviously, so then obviously that big question is why did genes become the focus of the government? Like what prompted them to do that? Yeah. And that is what Nita's question theory argument justification is but i just want to point out that like it is kind of what tris is saying that like it doesn't matter whether you're pure or damaged like there are good people who are pure and there are good people who are damaged like marcus if we're assuming that he is like actually genetically pure but he's a clearly a very bad person and you know tobias apparently is not pure but apparently he's a really good person and nita's saying that like Pure people started the war, like, world wars. And so, again, all of this is to just prove that Triss is right, that Tobias is overreacting about this separation. Like, she doesn't care if he's damaged, and Nita's basically trying to say that being damaged is not any worse than being pure. And so I'm like, that's the same argument. So you should just ignore Nita because she's creeping on you, and you already have a girlfriend who's already making the same points. Yes, so then finally Tris and Tobias talk to Nita and Nita kind of gives their mini plan, which pretty much their plan is to take away the Bureau's memory serum, which like gives them the ability to like restart experiments because they can just wipe everyone's memory and start from the beginning. And so she's like, that's where their power lies, so we're just going to get rid of that. And Tobias is just like ready to help her with the plans And Tris is much more hesitant because she's, like, for somebody who seems so angry at the Bureau, like, that just doesn't seem, like, like enough. She's, like, you talk so passionately about it. Like, she's, like, I just feel like that's not the full plan. Like, I feel like she's not telling us everything. Like, I feel like there's something else going on, but, like, she doesn't trust us to tell us yet. But, like, Tobias is just trusting this Nita that he's just only met a second ago. And, like, yes, for this, I am on Tris's side. I think that Tobias was too quick to trust Nita you know, they've just met. And also I do think Tobias is at this point just butthurt about being damaged. So he feels like Tris just can't understand because she's not in this position. When again, we've emphasized that like being damaged probably doesn't actually mean anything anyway. So he's getting all upset for no reason. So yeah, I definitely think that Tris had the right idea in just the idea of like, they should really take a step back before, you know, they commit a crime against this compound that they've just gotten to. Like also I feel like Tris is identifying that what they're doing is wrong, but it's just like, I just don't think that that's the best plan or that we should just trust people we don't know that well. Absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with Tris. Like, and Tris makes a really good point. She's like, Nita probably has some ulterior motives because she's really justifiably angry. And she's totally, and Tris is even like, you're allowed to be angry. You can be angry, but I just don't believe that that's everything and you're not telling us everything. And like, Tris also makes the excellent point of like, you want to confiscate all the memory serum, but that means that you have the power. Like, you're saying the memory serum is the power of the Bureau, but I'm like, then you have all the power, Nita. 
Like, yeah, because she's just like, well, what are you going to do with it? And he is like, we're going to destroy it. But it's like, how do we know you're actually going to destroy it? We don't even know you. Yeah. And yeah, Tobias also like, okay, so this is one of my frustrations with the book. Is the book feels like we're very much reliving. My frustration with Tobias. Do you have anything you want to say about Tobias first? Maybe, yeah, so we don't repeat ourselves too heftily. I can say what I want to say about Tobias. Pretty much... Because I did say, I think that Tobias gets worse through this book, especially, like, we're getting his perspective. Now, Tobias is ultimately, like, annoying because he has a lot of baggage. You know, he had an abusive father. He had a mother who had abandoned him. He has a lot of stuff he's had to deal with and overcome. But what's different, because I think of comparing like, Tris, how when she killed Will, how, like, we talked about how she wouldn't tell Tobias about it, how, yes, she should have went, she should have trusted him to be able to talk to him about it, but at least for her, her not talking to him didn't affect their relationship besides the fact that she was, like, withholding the information and just keeping it inside, but at least, like, she wasn't, like, taking it out on him or, like, snapping at him for no reason because she was upset. Whereas Tobias kind of takes it to another level where, you know, he's struggling with, like, how he feels about Marcus not getting executed. He's struggling with being genetically damaged and feels like he can't talk to Tris about it. And he's struggling with having to leave behind his mom after, like, semi-reconnecting with her, like, being the leader of the factionalist. So he's dealing with all of this stuff. And, like, one, he's not talking to Tris about it, just like she didn't talk to him about Will, which, you know, he was like, you should have talked to me. So he's already making that mistake. But then he takes it to a whole nother level because he takes it out on her. Like, he snaps at her and lashes out at her because he's upset. And there's literally nothing she can do. And he's just using her, like, as a punching bag. Last thing I was going to say is just, I think it also just points to, like, gender stereotypes. Because obviously I feel like stereotypically, like, women are told, like, when you're upset or something, like, you keep it to yourself. Whereas for men, men also, like, aren't supposed to talk about their emotions, but then their emotions turn into anger, and then they lash out at people. So it's, like, that kind of dynamic. So, yeah, Tobias is just, like, a sucky man right now. Like, really awful. It's And that's why, to me, I feel like he is worse than Tris was when she was, like, feeling guilty about Will. Because at least, at least even though she wasn't talking about it, like, she wasn't hurting anybody else. She was just hurting herself by not talking about it. Whereas now, Tobias is, like, a affecting his relationship with Tris because he hasn't dealt with his own issues and like there's nothing wrong with being like I need space but like you can't do it in like a disrespectful and like rude way also he's actively doing things that undermine them like he's going to hang out with Nita actively alone whereas like she yeah like she did not actively try to kill Will and then like keep it a secret like you know she when she was going through things, like, they kind of, she ended up doing the wrong thing by accident more, whereas he is, like, actively, he's like, I know I shouldn't do this. But the thing that really bothers me about Tobias, and this is actually more has to do with the writing of the character, is that we are going through the same arc this book as we were last book, at least so far. Because all of last book, Triss is saying things, Tobias is not trusting her judgment, she's therefore, like, kind of doing her own thing and at the end she's like you say you trust me you say i'm smart you say you rely on my judgment but you then never actually back it up with your actions and then he says you know what you're absolutely right i do say that i need to back it up and he does like he grows this but this book he's starting back at square one again he's gone back to not trusting her like we literally have the same scene whereas in the second book it's like he takes tris he's like i want you to judge evelyn because you are a better judge of character. And then he ignores her judgment. And we just had the exact yeah. same thing happen with Nita. He like, he's like, I want you to come because you're a better judge of character. And then he ignores her judgment. And I'm like, this is the same character arc that we had for Tobias last book. And that is bad writing. Yeah, bad writing and also just like terrible character development. Um, also just because... Tobias is, like, I feel in this moment, like, because he's all, like, you're not trusting her because you're jealous, which, again, don't you think better of Tris than that? But, like, also, her having, like, her hesitations are, like, very logical and rational, whereas him being, like, he's upset because he's damaged, so he's going to take rash action is just not the logical thing to do. So, obviously, he is the one, like, thinking and acting rashly, like, yeah, it's... 
oh god yep we gotta finish the book okay one more thing i gotta say this whole having two characters to tell narration means roth doesn't even have to bother with transitions we've said before that some of like middle of a chapter like she'll switch pair like she'll just go to the next, next paragraph line. and we'll be like in a new country next line no new paragraph just the next line <laughs> next sentence Period. New place. And in this one, because she gets to change characters, she didn't have to even, like, pretend. Like, we literally will just go across the other, to the other side of, like, she'll literally be halfway through the action and she'll just swap characters and we, she won't finish the action. Like, they'll be in a conversation and then she'll just switch characters. And I guess for me it's, like, extra jarring because I normally I read lots of books where there are multiple narrators or, like, coming from third person you know, multiple narrators, but like, there's something about like the way she, like, it feels like she like gets like the one plot thing she wanted in and then she just leaves the scene. I would say this one isn't as drawing for me because at least it is from two different perspectives. So it just feels like you're jumping from like, so it doesn't, it, it's more logical when like the scene doesn't finish. Like, you know what I mean? You don't get a, tra- or you don't get a transition because you're reading from a different perspective. I guess. I just wish the scenes would finish. Whereas, like I said, the fact that reading when it was the next line, I was like, where am I? What's going on? Like, being confused while you're reading a book, that's a new feeling I didn't remember ever having. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. Next week, we're going to finish the series. We're going to finish Allegiant. So, um, if you read along with us, finish the book, which means you're finishing the series, and we'll cover it next week. Also, we are going to be reading two more dystopian series on the podcast. So next week, we'll finish Allegiant. And then the week after that, we'll start what a series that I've read the first half of. It's another trilogy. And I believe it's a bit like a cross between The Giver and Divergent. But it's been a long time since I read it, like middle school. So sixth grade, seventh grade. So we'll see. And this is the Sidri of Ember trilogy. So like I said, one more week of Allegiant. And then after that, we'll do Ember. Um, so, and then we'll have one more dystopian series after that, that Asia's read. And then I think that we'll be done with dystopian for a while on the show. And as always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, or want to keep talking to us about Divergent, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You can have it over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at Join Nerd Party or on Instagram at The Nerd Party and Facebook.com slash The Nerd Party. And to find me, I'm at Asia Bonilla on Twitter and at Asia.Bonilla on Instagram. And I'm at C.E. Sheeland on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. And remember that if you enjoyed this, make sure you rate and review the podcast, share it with everyone you know, and check out the other amazing podcasts on The Nerd Party Network. And like we always say, make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe. Have a good one. And we'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.